0: Insight. Innovation. Transformation. Welcome to the Change Healthcare Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Change Healthcare Podcast. I am Genevieve Morris, the Senior Director of Clinical Interoperability Strategy at Change Healthcare. And today we have a super fun topic all about consent and data segmentation, everyone's favorite privacy topics these days. Um, And we have two great guests with us um, to talk about these two topics. I'm going to let each introduce themselves. uh, But first, we have Hannah Galvin, um, and I'll let you introduce yourself, and then we'll introduce Jennifer.
1: Great. Thanks, Genevieve. I'm Hannah Galvin. I am the CMIO, the Chief Medical Information Officer for Cambridge Health Alliance, a public academic health system. Uh, in the Greater Boston area. And uh, also the co-founder, uh, co-lead and now board chair um, of uh, the Protecting Privacy to Promote Interoperability Work Group, a uh, multidisciplinary expert work group uh, committed to uh, figuring out how we tackle this problem of how do we granularly segment data to allow patient-driven um, consent and sharing of data at the granular level in order to allow for patient privacy preferences, um, as well as uh, driving equitable interoperability, which I hope to to talk about a little bit more as we get into this conversation. Thanks for having me. Great, and Jennifer Blumenthal, go ahead and
0: introduce yourself as well.
2: Hi, my name is Jennifer. I'm the CEO and co-founder of OneRecord. OneRecord is a digital health company that empowers consumers to access, aggregate, and share their healthcare data with the people and organizations that they trust. So what that means is we're a third party app developer currently connecting to um, APIs made available both on the provider side and the payer side and in a future state by uh, national networks and state HIEs. So really following everything that's come out of the 21st Century Cures Act. Um, For me personally, I also sit on the Care Quality um, Steering Committee And I also sit on the Commonwealth Operating Committee uh, where I chair the privacy and security work group over at Commonwealth.
1: All right. So into
0: today's topic, we're going to talk about two uh, separate but linked topics. I feel like that's like a law and order introduction. Um, (laughs) But consent and data segmentation would sort of go hand in hand and often can be confused with each other. Um, And in particular, as we've over the last it has been like two or three years since the requirements came out from ONC and CMS. And now we've got increased individual access to data with info blocking requirements with the CMS payer APIs. This topic has started to become sort of a major issue around how are we capturing consent? How are we communicating that consent to other folks so we know that you should share data? And then how are we uh, making sure that we segment out the right data to meet all of the different state laws and personal uh requests. So that's really what we're going to talk about today and we're going to jump right into the consent side. So Jennifer, you get to kick it off because I think you've had a lot of experience over the last year and a half or 2 years with the with the consent piece of it to talk about, you know, what is consent, where do we stand with it in the industry right now?
2: Yeah, so I mean, when I think about consent, I think consent happens when a user authorizes an app to you know, enable them to access their data. So the first part of that is really um, using something which I don't know if most people are familiar with it or, or thinking about it, but there's this thing called OAuth 2, which really all that means is if you think about way back when, when you used to maybe sign on to Facebook and Facebook would ask for your, uh, you know, your Gmail Um, your Gmail information, so you're essentially your email and your password to log in and like look for all your friends, or maybe the same thing with Yelp, you know, you get on Yelp and look for all your friends, instead of you giving your username and password over to a third party app, and then they can do something like just stored in a really unsafe way. Now what happens is you're actually hitting an authorization server, and that authorization server is then allowing that user to access their data from the source systems. So really, when I think about consent right now, I think about consent, and I, as a user, am wanting to get my data, and I'm going to choose a third-party app, and because I've picked this app from the app store, you know, anywhere, and then I'm giving them the credentials, Instead of storing the credentials, I can just go and get my data. Uh, I think a future state is what happens after the user goes and gets their data. That's really the question of where consent and data segmentation, I think, comes in.
0: That's great. And you mentioned um, the OAuth, so that's obviously linked with some of the Smart on Fire stuff going on. But in addition to the Smart on Fire, um, you know, there's this, the Fire Consent Resource, which, you know, we talked about in Care Quality with the Implementation Guide and using that. Where do we stand sort of as an industry with use of that Fire Consent Resource? And Hannah or Jennifer, um, if you want to weigh in. <laughs> Jennifer's so, Jennifer's making a face, so I'm guessing that maybe maybe not so much adopted. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I yes.
2: have not seen it. Hannah, you can weigh in, but I haven't seen it across the ecosystem yet.
1: It is not. Yeah, it has not been implemented across the ecosystem. There have been some some interesting pilots, I think, of the fire consent resource. And and I think just to elaborate on, on Jennifer's uh really um uh, I think mean, that's a new definition of, of, of open auth and, and that type of consent, right? The, the consent to, to actually access the data uh from from an application that, that may house that, that that data. When when I think of consent in addition, there is um the the consent to um to the actual sort of uh type of data and, and am I allowing consent uh, or am I am I giving consent to share specific types of data with specific people, so right do I have access to my data, all of my data, and then can I consent to uh to to share that data in specific ways or specific types of data in specific ways, and that's where granular segmentation kind of comes into place, and there and and where the fire consent uh, resource may come in as well um, to uh to to um allow uh uh the sharing of data in specific ways as opposed to just m- my access to the data um and so um i think consent the, the term consent can be used in a, in a number of different ways now yeah. and so just to sort of uh to, to specify but i i think you know i i agree that with jennifer that it has fire consent has not been um utilized or or, or established across the ecosystem. there was a um uh, a pilot um the uh, onc um, had a, a leap grant um to pilot uh and, and develop uh, uh this or, you know around around a fire consent use case um, and and that was piloted over the past couple of years but has not um sort of caught on further there are a couple of different uh major uh, consent management tools that have been developed or platforms that have been developed um the san diego uh HIE that that um, developed this, uh, tool through the ONC meet project. Um, SAMHSA, um, has developed mm-hmm. their consent to share, uh, um, uh, consent management tool. And then there have been several others, uh, the heart work group, um, uh, and user management access, uh, uh, EMA, uh, work group have developed a, a consent management tool. And, and none of those have really gotten out of the pilot stage at this point. And, and one of the things that we are doing is trying to uh, work together uh, with these to to build a sandbox uh, demonstration and leverage these uh, with um, granular segmentation as well. But uh, yeah, yeah, still still work in progress. Yeah, and I think you
0: brought up like important differentiations, and we use the same word for everything. But there's the I'm trying to get my own data, and I'm trying to use an app to do it, and I'm consenting to the app having my data because it's getting it for me. Then there's the I would like my data to be shared with my significant other or my child's data, right? Like that kind of data sharing around the proxy access, which is also a form of consent. And then, you know, the third and fourth layers of like, I would like to consent for it to be shared with another provider, right? Like the traditional release of information stuff that's out there. And I think we tend to like put all of that into the same bucket um, and think it's all the same, but it's actually different. And it sounds like we may end up with like different standards for each of those different types of communication because they are different use cases. Um, so, but that also sounds like we're just like not quite there yet, which <laughs> which makes a lot of sense with where we're at as an industry around individual access, I, I think. Um, I, but that, sorry, go ahead, Jennifer. When I think about apps,
2: like you guys just basically said this, but I'm thinking about it in like a different way. Like when I think about apps right now and using the workflow to engage a user, I think still there's many different types of consent with their own distinct purposes. I think about, you know people talk to us about HIPAA consent or do you have marketing consent or CCPA or you know something for a, a um, study or trial, which I think is very much downstream for after the user's done that. And what's happening is consent is collected and essentially stored in silos. So what we have with interoperability and interoperability silos, now we have that with consent silos. And there's, I think, patient frustration and and essentially risk uh, when preferences aren't respected. That's kind of how I think about consent currently in the ecosystem. And as data flows more and more between new parties and the users opening up the data, like, how do you make it traceable and audible and, you know, tied to a specific moment?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm shocked to hear that we've just created more silos. <laughs> I mean, it's just so unusual for our space, but 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 I think you're correct, and I'll I'll say you know I just went to a new doctor yesterday in the same healthcare system I've been in, but a different specialty, and I had to fill out like a paper release of information form, and I actually said to them like, hey, you're not actually releasing my records anywhere though. Like I'm coming to you for care you're not releasing them anywhere so there's no need to fill out this form and they were like oh it's in case we have to send a referral out and my response was but me filling out my name and signing it and Xing off means nothing like like you're not you're not releasing it anywhere and i shouldn't have to fill out a paper form <laughs> for any, any of that right um so it was just one of those like crazy moments of you know yet again <laughs> just lack of interoperability of all of the information so um but that leads us into all right so so we need to all get on the same page around different standards for sharing the consent because at the end of the day right like we're unlikely to end up if we can't get a unique identifier which we can't we're unlikely to end up with a central silo for all of our consent to be managed which means at some juncture we're going to have to exchange it either from covered entity to covered entity, from covered entity to third-party apps and back and forth. Um, and it sounds like we need to make some progress around the standards for those different use cases. And then that leads into the super fun topic of, let's just assume we've worked that part out. <laughs> so we, we've we got the consent on file, we've got the proxy, like we know the data can be shared. Now we have to deal with, well, what, what data can be shared? Um, and there's just, you know, per the usual, an amalgamation of state laws that... You know, dictate what can be shared. And that sort of leads into the PP2PI work group, which I never get the total name right, even though I participate in the work group, <laughs> which we has been working around the data segmentation piece of like, okay, so now we have to share data with patients because info blocking requires it um, or the payer APIs require it. How are we segmenting either for patient safety related issues, which I'll be honest, there was so many, Hannah, that have come up in that work group that like I never considered since I'm not a physician, like around like just eating disorders in general. I was like, oh, wait, probably shouldn't be shared, right? Like stuff like that. And then all of your state law issues because you know minors get access to their data and parents get access to the data and it's not an excuse not to share. So you wanna talk a little bit um, about that work group and sort of you know what's been going on and where we stand with standards for
1: segmentation? absolutely. So, um, this is, you know, it's been an issue for a long time, um, really since, you know, the birth of interoperability, um, way before 21st century cures. But with 21st century cures and the interlocking rules, I think it has become more of a lived experience for many of us and, and many clinicians, um, about how, how do we safely share data with patients, with families, right? But, there are a lot of things that we need to think about in, in understanding how we do that, um, or how we give patients um, more uh, um, choice in the matter, and 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 allow the data to be owned by by patients and um, and promote that and advance that ownership mm-hmm. by patients. So one thing to think about is is terminology and uh, terminology standards, um, and SAMHSA has had a VSAC uh terminology higher standard um around some of their consent to share work and that is mostly focused around the 42 CFR part two use case, but uh there has have been some some other uh you know reproductive health um uh sensitive data elements uh there that they've covered um but that needs to be maintained and expanded it's no longer being maintained but essentially right if I in Boston am talking about reproductive health data and saying you know I wanna share this or I don't want to share this and uh you're you as a patient are going to um stanford right in in the hospital over on the west coast are we speaking the same language how do we know that what i mean by reproductive health data is what they mean at stanford by reproductive health data so at the very base you know layer right how do we how do we know that we're speaking the same language and we need some terminology standards there secondly if we are going to say hey you know patients you can drive this, you can consent, you can go into a consent management platform and say, Right, I want to share this data with, you know, my psychiatrist, but I, I don't want to share that data with my ophthalmologist, for instance. Maybe I feel like my ophthalmologist doesn't need to know about my eating disorder, say, right? Um how, how do we inform patients and make sure that, that, that patients are making an informed decision, right? That we're giving the, the pros and cons of this. How do we not put that burden on the provider so that the provider would have to go down a med list or a problem mm-hmm. list with every patient, right? We know that we're in a crisis of provider burden as it is. So how can you leverage NLP and machine learning, uh, AI and machine learning tools to allow this to be in the hands of the patient? And, and not, you know, the provider, uh, uh you know, a burden on the provider. Um, and, and if a provider, if a patient is able to do this, right? What are all the patient safety implications that you believe really going to be? and I think that's why we have brought this group together that includes the major EHR vendors. It includes the major professional societies and ethics experts, right? If we're going to say that this is something that can be done, you know, even should be done. Is this part of the ethical and good practice of medicine, or what are the concerns here? How would we implement this? You're listening
0: to the Change Healthcare Podcast. We're enabling a better, more efficient healthcare system. Whether you need to improve operational efficiency, optimize financial performance, or enhance the consumer experience, we offer the industry insight and innovative technology to help you meet your objectives. Learn more at changehealthcare.com.
1: So let's say as I, as a patient say, you know, okay, I don't want my behavioral health condition shared. And let's say that is, um, you know, okay, like for my state law, right? How would that then impact clinical decision support tools in the recipient EHR? How would that imp- impact drug drug interactions, right? In the recipient EHR? These are real concerns. They're concerns for me as a provider, right? They're concerns uh, and considerations. We have to Deal with, and part of the reason that this hasn't caught on and become more widespread in the past is is these very concerns, right? You've, this starts spinning; these conversations start spinning. The problem is when we've kicked this can down the road in the past and have said, "Like, look, this is too complicated. We have got other things to worry about, right? We have macro to worry about. We've got, you know, all, all sorts of other things that are taking our time and attention and resources." Is that we have inadvertently created healthcare disparities. So, if I'm a patient that has that has sensitive data or has, does not have sensitive data in the record, as interoperability has grown i'm I, if I end up in the ER, right that provider in the ER treating me has uh, is able to access all of my meds, allergies, problem lists, mm-hmm. data, and, and I'm able to, under the law under interoperability, um, I'm afforded all of those benefits of, of interoperability. Um, Now I'm a patient with sensitive data, and maybe if that data is algorithmically blocked because I have HIV, for instance, and I need to sign an additional consent, a paper consent, as you found in your mm-hmm. in your uh office yeah. yesterday, right? And and so now I'm getting uh, meaningfully different care than that patient who does not have sensitive data, based on my state law, for instance, or maybe on my pre- by my preference. Maybe I I have a mental health condition that I am that has a stigma associated with it. And so, you know, I've had to make that decision, share all my data or none of it. And so in the process here, we have created inadvertently these disparities. And so this is the reason that we've sort of come together and said, okay, we actually, this is a really hard problem to tackle, but we've had to sort of, we've got to start, we've got to, you know, so looking at terminology standards, uh, looking at implementation guidance, and we're using the Delphi method to, to really work with our experts around the country to understand this, you know, this is really challenging, but what do we do about this implementation guidance? Uh, and then looking at uh, leveraging uh, AI machine learning tools um, to, to understand how we would actually implement this, working with the EHR vendors um, to do so um, in a sandbox type demonstration. Uh, but this is not a short term project, this is gonna take years. Uh, to yeah. do and and to address uh some of the major use cases that are out there um this has only sort of been piloted previously with forty two c f r part two kind of use cases, and we're expanding that um to some adolescent use cases which address some of the issues with lack of harmonization of state laws as you've, you've mentioned mm-hmm. um geriatric behavioral health social determinants normal with the gravity project on that. and and um and 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 there's a lot of work uh to be done. But I think those are some of the, the major areas that I think about when I think about uh, the work that that needs to be tackled around granular segmentation.
0: Yeah. And I, I think we're just at a point, right, where we can't kick the can on some of these things. And I, yeah. if there is no easy button, because if it was easy, it would be done, right? right. <laughs> like, exactly. We'd be done. And I, and I think a, a big part of it, right, is like historically, we haven't shared data at a data level versus like the document level, which is arguably just harder to segment, right? Because it is more of an all or nothing. Like you can't go into a CCDA and segment out only certain medications in the medication segment, right? And say like, we're just not gonna share those. It's more of like, I just won't share the meds (laughs) or I won't share, you know, XYZ.
1: So to be fair, uh, DS4P CDA, so that's that's the the data segmentation for privacy standard that was, I think, first developed in like 2011. Yeah, it's and, been a while. certified. It's been around for, for, yeah. for a long time. It was certified, I think, in, in 2014. So so it's been around and it was piloted at a number of sites. Um, did have the ability to uh, to segment at the element level. It could be at the document, the section in the element level. But really was never piloted or implemented at that, at that level, we are, we are now developing a fire implementation. There, there have been fire implementation guides uh, uh, developed for it. And we're now expanding those to, to our use cases. But um, I think part of some of the issues with the previous pilots were one, they they were mostly focused, like I said, around 42 CFR part two, but one implementation was one implementation right if you if you were at a site that was implementing and you had all of these resources and a grant to to implement that was great but without terminology standards uh without uh you know some some implementation guidance that was generalizable across the country right um that that implementation was done and that pilot was done and even speaking to some of those people who who did those pilots um that the pilots were very limited um, and and um, and so, right? There was a lot of pushback, especially around some of these patient safety issues. So those really need to be addressed before there can be widespread implementation. And ultimately, and I've you know we've talked to C about this. I think, right? There really is going to need to be a regulatory uh, uh, impetus, um, with some financial stimulus for this. Um, But we need to get the standard and the implementation guidance to a point that. Uh, ONC can then take the ball from there, right? We can't. We can't ask yeah. them to to drive this with policy when yeah. everything else is so immature. So yeah, I've been
0: on that side where people are yeah. like, just do something. You're like, great. What is your solution that you would like us to do? And and it's like, I don't know. That's your problem to figure out. Like, it's, it just doesn't work that way. And I, you know, right. I was serving when we had a lot of the conversations about the DS4P and certification, and and I think your I think your point is exactly correct, right? Like it had been implemented at a header level. But as you started to move down to those lower levels and you started to think about um, expansion to the EHR vendors who are not the big 10, I mean, it just gets really complex really fast. Um, And it's just hard to do. (laughs) At the end of the day, it's just hard to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm curious, um, because I know we probably are coming up on our time, but so Jennifer, like from a a perspective of one record and being sort of the patient access side of it, and I know you guys have connected to a lot of the payer APIs. Um, have you seen anything around data segmentation? Because certainly the payers are also on the hook to segment data. Like, you know, it's a chip plan, right? Let's say it's a chip. That's duplicate to say plan, <laughs> but it's it's a chip and like you've got parents or guardians accessing and some of that data they shouldn't necessarily have. Um, and that stuff we've thought through is change healthcare supporting payers. I'm I'm curious on your side if you've seen anything with the fire specs and the implementations that the payers have done that that would sort of support that level of segmentation? Yeah, I think what I'm mostly seeing
2: with those, you know, Medicaid programs, essentially, is they're still struggling with adolescents. They don't know how to handle this. Mm -hmm. So uh, from what I know, we've connected to quite a few, but they are not allowing... I don't want to use the phrase not allowing. They are conservative on enabling apps right now because they have not solved that problem of, you know, somebody going through uh, foster care essentially and who the guardian and who has access to that data. I don't think that's been solved. I think the identity piece is still a little bit broken um, in the CMS APIs because, one, not all payers have member portals. So when are they assigning identity and then how are they sharing that identity so that it could be used in an no workflow? So we're not even at the data segmentation point. And then two, I think that they are concerned about that and I don't think that they have answers yet. So that's kind of been my sense. And they have a little bit more wiggle room, you know? I think this is their first go at interoperability. So I imagine CMS will be more lenient with them as opposed to ONC and around you know, the implementation of those APIs
0: yeah and yeah it's a whole separate topic on identity and linking it with consent and linking it with proxy access and like just yeah. all sorts of things, which is a whole whole nother podcast, I think just on identity, which is um an area that that we're also working in um with some stuff we've done at change and it's um it's complex but it's all linked together, and it kind of i mean it you know just as an observer on this one, it kind of seems like we need a whole bunch of pieces to work collaboratively together to get to a place where we aren't to Hannah's point, you know, disadvantaging certain populations because they can't prove their identity or they, you know, they just, we have to do an all or nothing data share because we can't segment it out. So so it's interesting to see that that's where the pairs are. So, so in wrap up, I'll ask you both a question we didn't talk about. So I'm so sorry, because I'm going to make it tricky. (laughs) Like, so, you know, thinking about what you would ask, um, you know, where we go from here, right. As far as standardization, what are sort of either the next steps or, you know, your unicorn rainbow world fantasy of, of if we could have this, it would be really great, um, whether that's, you know, from the feds and ONC or from the industry as a whole. Um, and I'll I'll ask Hannah first and then, and then Jennifer, same question.
1: Well, I would say that um, we are never going to get to utopia. Right I think that that one of the things that we have to release in order to get this work done is this vision that it's going to get to a utopian state um but we can we can get better and um so you know, I think that um the work that we are doing um is slow and it's little by little, and it's use case by use case. And we can get it better. And, um, you know, o- ONC, uh, ONC knows my, my ask of them, which is to, to work with us when we can get this to, uh, a demonstrable, uh, sandbox demonstration and real world demonstration. We can, we can, uh, make this demonstrably, uh, um, possible, um, to, to work, uh, with us and, and to consider a, um, uh, an impetus and a, and a stimulus uh uh for this because otherwise we're not going to there will be no widespread adoption and we'll remain in this place of kind of continuing to kick this can down the road um and i think that will um to me that will be success um but uh there will obviously there will continue to be work here and uh, ways that we can improve um and um you know i look forward to continuing to see that uh and 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 work on that yeah i mean
0: with the scalability of any of this stuff is always the problem, right? Like we have exactly. lots of pilots of lots of things, but then you try and scale it past one healthcare organization and, and it blows up, right? Like, so I, I think easy and implementable and scalable makes sense. So Jennifer, same same question. If you could get to your unicorn and rainbows and utopia. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think I, I'll try and say it simply. So, you know, crawl, walk, run, right? I think first thing that I'd like to see is where... I'm not having to force users in our app to auth against five different portals to get their data. Mm-hmm. Um, they're If they're gonna use an OAuth workflow, it should be able to lie off in one EHR system and the EHR system says, oh, you've been to all these different providers within our EHR system, I'm gonna send you all the data. Very similar to how Care Everywhere works for Epic and providers, right? Um, that functionality should be available to consumers. And then I think the second thing is moving beyond um, an an identity tied to a system and credentials for you to be able to access your data. It shouldn't just be credential-based. And I guess in a further state, your identity should be self-sovereign, but I know that's a big thing and I'm not going to go there.
0: Yeah, 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 No, but that makes sense. So identity tied to consent, tied to authentication, yeah, would, would be a great place to get to. Um, yeah. <laughs> we can't solve all of the problems of the world that, that requires congressional stuff too, so, um, but that that was awesome. So anything else you guys wanna add in before we wrap up?
2: I think it'd be cool if, I still think I'm confused on consent in many ways. Um, I think I know it more than the average person knows it, but I don't know it the way, you know, Hannah knows it. I just don't feel like there's a lot of good resources out there to like get educated on consent in like a real way versus just the people on Twitter talking.
1: That's not, I mean, come on,
0: it's educational, I don't, I mean, we were, we were just in a very long Twitter conversation <laughs> for the last two days about, about no, no, I think you're, I think you're correct, it's, it's, there's not like a ton of content written about it, I think, um, because it means so many different things, and there are also like legal connotations to yeah. it which makes it really tricky. And then, you know, then you throw in opt-in and opt-out and it all just becomes like kind of a, a jumble. So makes sense. I think yeah.
2: like the government should make some sort of resources for us.
0: I'm, I'm very sure that if someone from ONC or OCR listens to this podcast or even Devin, they will probably send us some links that are out <laughs> there um, <laughs> that probably exist.
1: So <laughs> anything else mm-hmm. to add in? Um, I would just like to hopefully we can put in the show notes um, the uh, link to our website. If there are interested stakeholders, we are very interested in in having a broad representation from across the industry as part of this work. Um, and uh, we do have an interest form. So would really invite anyone who has interest in this topic um, to be a part of, of this. work. Um, yeah. It's just a, a pleasure being on. So thank you.
0: Yeah, no, and it's and it's a good work group, and I mean, there's a ton, ton of stuff going on within the PP2PI work group, including a shorter name coming soon. Yeah, that's true. This <laughs> is true. Yeah, the, the
1: work, the, the work formerly known as PP2PI. Yeah, there you <laughs> go.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Hannah and Jennifer, for taking the time to be with us today. We appreciate it. Uh, For our listeners, do check out the show notes. We will have links in there to the PP2PI workgroup stuff and contact information for Jennifer and Hannah in case you want to reach out to them. Um, And stay tuned to our Change Healthcare podcast for more shows covering the healthcare IT topics that you care about. Um, And for more information on privacy solutions and other healthcare IT topics, of course, visit changehealthcare.com. We'd love to have visitors to our website always. Hi, and I am Genevieve Morris, and we hope you have just a great rest of your day today. You've been listening to the Change Healthcare podcast. We're focused on accelerating the transformation of the healthcare system through the power of the Change Healthcare platform. We provide data and analytics-driven solutions to improve clinical, financial, administrative, and patient engagement outcomes in the U.S. healthcare system. Learn more at ChangeHealthcare.com.